we won't be doing next week. Because Fancy Ben is taking his fancy vacations. Where are you going? Texas again? Yeah, Texas. Who doesn't want to go to Texas in August? I, I keep, yeah. I keep like, opening up my weather app daily to see if the forecast yeah. changes. Like, oh, maybe, maybe they're finally out of their incredible drought and, and surface of the, the sun type temperatures. And no, yeah. every day. Like, I, I keep going 14-day forecast, expecting one day to not be this, but every day is chance of rain, 0%, no clouds, <laughs> high of I like 42. 0%. 42, yeah. man. High of yeah. 42. Yeah. It's a dry heat, Did though. you ever... Be fine. So, yeah, yeah. No, you'll be fine. Um, did you, you saw the story out of Arizona this year, right? How in Phoenix, they basically had to hire... They have an, a, a whole department of people that are like worried about heat because it's just so hot there. They've got a whole department that goes, you know what? What we're worried about is trying to find shade in different places in the city because it's too hot. It's, it's unlivable here. Yeah, it's, it's not dissimilar in Texas. And, yeah. and so I'm, I'm going yeah. there partly because my, my wife is from there. She's got a lot of uh, family uh, in Texas yeah. and, and in Austin. Where you guys ever – why don't you ever tell that family though – Hey, we come here a lot. Why don't we ever do like a family trip just outside of Texas? Like y'all get in the RVs and y'all just <laughs> take take the whole highway north no. and meet us in a different state. I I love Texas. I really do. Like the, the food is unbelievable, and and Austin's a cool yeah. place. Uh, I've never been there when it's been this hot. But they keep sending us updates about hey. We're like, hey, we're we're gonna go on the lake, right? You're gonna take us out to the lake. They're like, well, the lake is at like it's the lowest level. The lake ain't there ever. no more. <laughs> yeah, the lake was the lake like a, used to be really cool, but like the thing about the lake is like there's no yeah. water in the lake. And then yeah. you know, yesterday we got an update. They're like, hey, good news, they put out the fire that was at the dump because all the garbage was on fire <laughs> because Amazing. of the extreme heat. So that's good. Like you won't smell the burning garbage anymore. So that that's exciting for us. This is this is like a, not the way I expected to start today. But I'll get off this. But I did also just learn that heat, extreme heat, is the is the type of weather that kills more people than anything. It's not cold. It's oh, not hurricanes. Sure. It's not floods. Yeah. Like it's extreme heat. It's well, yeah, more I'm people sure than any type of extreme weather. Yeah, and there's uh, I think part of that not not to get too into the weeds would be that there's an abundance of that as opposed to extreme cold like people don't live i think yeah, more sure. people live in in climates where there's the chance of extreme heat than there is in the extreme cold and that yeah there's just that's way fair. more that's hotter point. days than there are like hurricanes for sure so that 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 acts yeah. absolutely tracks Ho- hopefully i survive though yeah i hope you survive too um although Thanks, i do hope it smells like burning dump <laughs> no, they put it out. The they put the fire out. Yeah, what are you no. talking about? We're fine. Yeah, but you know when you you know when you blow out a candle, that's when it stinks the most. So I'm thinking <laughs> that it applies the same to dumps. <laughs> you just put like out a the little bit fire. of rain, like one yeah. one day of rain. They can't get like some yeah, no. some rain. You ain't no, it. nothing. You ain't getting it, partner. You go no. to Texas, you just getting dump fires and no like. All right, uh, let's get this baseball stuff going. Um, so you and I have been actually texting a lot about a couple of different topics, and uh, we were about to have a phone call about one of them, and then I pleaded with you to shut up and said <laughs> we need to do this on the show rather than do this in private. You kind of powered through my request and started sort of giving your half take. But yeah, let's hit a couple of these things. Number one, though, I want to start with this. And like, okay, Gossman is clearly the number one starter, even with last night happening, right? Like it, it would take an injury or... 
basically a month of this, like what he showed last night, for you to be taken off of Gossman is the number yeah, one starter for the Blue Jays. I don't, playoff I don't know what it would be. Like, and even yeah. go back to the the start that he had in Game Two against the Mariners last year, which was coming off of a, a, a blister situation, right? That's why he didn't start Game One. Although Manoa yeah. maybe was deserving of starting that game either way, but yeah, he was spectacular until they just handed it all away. He was he was great, 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 and and probably should have gone a little bit deeper than he in fact did. No, yeah. Kevin Gossman is starting Game One of the postseason. There's just no question about it. Right. So yesterday I said if you still think Brios is the number two starter, you're not paying attention. Like, and and this is why is that over his last six starts, he's pitched 35 innings. His ERA is 1.29. He's got 36 Ks. Kikuchi a whip of does. one and a one po- Yes, this is Kikuchi and, and a war yeah. of one point four. And uh Barrios, six starts, thirty two and a half or thirty two and a third innings pitched, three point six two ERA, which again, I like I don't want to make this seem like Kikuchi or Barrios is a bum. These are really good numbers. It's just in contrast, it shouldn't be a comparison. Thirty one Ks, one point five whip, which is actually a little bit, I would say, yeah, not not the best. And then a point five war. He's been very good, but to me, if the two guys track even similarly to what they're doing so far, like Kikuchi's clearly the number two. Do you agree with that premise? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think even yeah. beyond that, well, I mean, it, yeah, the, there's so many great numbers for Kikuchi's second half of the season. He's now yeah. tied the Blue Jays franchise record, six consecutive starts, giving up one or zero earned runs, which is ridiculous. Yep. But for, for me, when you get into the postseason, you want, you want that swing and miss stuff. And he's a yep. higher K per nine. You're you're not looking to to get seven innings out of either guy. Even Kevin Gossman, with the way this bullpen is constructed, like I I was positing yesterday, like Jordan Hicks has gone. There's there's been eight outings that Jordan Hicks has had this season where he's gone more than an inning. Like he's thrown upwards of like 35 pitches. The idea of getting more than three outside of him, and maybe even more than three outside of Jordan Romano, and and maybe like combined between the two, you get three innings of of relief, and then you're you're looking at you know, Eric Swanson and what, like the sixth, like you really are going to shorten the game. That's 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 going to be the strength yeah. of this Blue Jays team. So, yeah, you get Yusei Kikuchi through five, five and two-thirds, striking out mm-hmm. everybody, throwing 80 pitches. That's that's ideal in the postseason. Dude, it's, it's wild that the bullpen has been such a massive storyline in terms of didn't do enough, didn't do enough, didn't do enough. And if Chad Green really works out and, and – old T. Rich comes back, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're looking at a bullpen where it, it actually, it's almost going to be tougher for John Schneider in some instances. I was thinking about this last night where you're going, <laughs> if it ever backfires on you, right? If any of yeah. those relievers ever have a bad outing, there's going to yeah. be two other guys you could have gone to in that spot, right. and the fans are going to go, why would you have done that one, John? <laughs> you should have done this one. And he's in, he's in an enviable position that you'd love to have more arms than not, but You'd almost wish if you were him that it was it was a little bit more stre- streamlined in that you had four clear guys, you know, just four yeah. clear guys, and those were the four guys. Like I, I was looking at the roster of who they're going to have to dump out here, and it'll it'll probably be pretty straightforward, right? They're going to bring yeah. up four guys, and the four, four guys that Jackson. go are pretty obvious, right? And yeah, it's Jay Jackson is the bubble guy, but he's solid. Like Jay Jackson is yeah. ain't hurting anybody. No, no, it's like Bowden I can't Francis. abandon the Texas stuff now. Yeah, it is great. He honestly. ain't hurting nobody. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it's also mode. great to, like, go to a place where you can wear a cowboy hat and not feel like a freak, like you fit in wearing a cowboy you hat. You have a huge head, though. You're built for a cowboy hat. Of you course, have a massive head. Of course, buddy. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait. Um, no, it's 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 a joke, really, that 
like, yeah, there, Nate Pearson isn't with this team, and I know he's had an up and down season, but his last outing was great. Yeah. It's like, sorry, man, got no room for you. Not even close. Like you're 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 yeah. just like an optional reliever now. Bowden Francis, like you could be part of our um, starting depth next year. Like you've kind of established yourself as major league caliber. Sorry, back down you go. Same with Jay Jackson. Same deal. I mean, rosters do expand to 28, but you can only have. Uh, 14 pitchers um so in september they'll, they'll be allowed to carry an extra reliever it's but yeah to your point about john schneider having like almost too many possibilities too many options i don't disagree yeah. with that and i i know i mean you, you physically can't you know lift a reliever uh if they look bad right out of the shoot because they have to face five or uh, three batters minimum but i do wonder like yeah how quickly will he he go to the next reliever up if he sees a guy that that doesn't look like he has it in that in that moment on that day have to be immediate dude yeah. think about it they're gonna have romano hicks wanson that's yeah. the back that's the that's the three guys that you kind of feel are immovable outside of the fact that it could be Meza right as the fourth guy because he's yeah, the Luger. matchup mm-hmm. so you've got those four guys and then you've got trevor richards who yeah. You could have argued for long stretches of the season was the team's basically most effective reliever outside of Romano. Yeah, and you want to talk about multiple innings as well. Like yeah. that guy's is got a rubber arm seemingly. One hundred percent. And then that, that so it, it kind of feels Jimmy, like Jimmy Garcia's pitched in leverage a bunch too second half. Although I will say that one of my favorite things about this bullpen is that Jimmy is removed from leverage. Yeah, but because like I, again, I love Jimmy. Not incapable in this, though. Yeah, not incapable, but just. Don't love it. Don't love the. Sure. Don't love seeing Jimmy come out of the pen for leverage. It just always feels like there's at least one runner on, and yeah, it may, it always feels like a bit of a sweat. And then there's Chad Green. That's mm-hmm. like seven guys. That's seven yeah. guys that you could conceivably put in leverage who have history in leverage. It's mm-hmm. it's an incredible amount of depth at that position. Like truly, and there's swing and miss stuff. There's different kind of arms. There's a guy who throws 104. Uh, yeah, it just the the variance in which they have out of that bullpen is going to be nuts. So yeah, I agree with you about the you've kind of got to have the quick trigger. But I think it's even going to be more interesting whether or not they can kind of solidify up some of those jobs or who those dudes are going to be that end up being the the two guys. Let's say the two go to guys outside of um, the the three or the four that I just mentioned. Well, yeah, I mean, in the perfect world, you at most need three. Uh, in, yeah. a, in a postseason start, and it, yeah, in an ideal world, you're also dealing with the lead like that. <laughs> the pitching is all great. I uh, got to score a run, but yeah, that's no, true. I think that... That's true. That's true. Yeah, and you know what <laughs> they don't do so good is that one. Yeah. You know, Jobo, Jobo. I, I know it's hilarious, it's, but it's just like they're still third last in OPS with runners in scoring position this season. That the only teams yeah. that are better than are Kansas City and Oakland. Yeah, runners in scoring position is is mind boggling. You got to read the. I so I tweeted out. A fan graph story yesterday uh, about like a super nerd who like dove into the numbers like over the years about runners in scoring yeah. position. And the thing I've been harping about all season long, scoring runners from third base with fewer than two outs, which is essentially the entire difference between what the Blue Jays have done this season and what the yeah. Baltimore Orioles have done this season. And it, I mean, also the difference is those head-to-head meetings because they have almost yep. identical records outside of their head-to-head meetings with each other. But it's like 20-plus runs uh, scored is the difference uh, between what the Orioles have done cashing those runners from third base and what the Blue Jays have done cashing the runners from third base. And this whole story is like going through the history of baseball and like did teams cash them at a higher rate in previous years and like what type of team is more successful in those situations. You know what the conclusion was? 
There, there's like nothing. There's no correlation. It's like almost complete and total randomness and being good at it. Like at the beginning of the season doesn't mean you're going to be bad at it or like there, there's like no correlation. The, the closest thing they can find is like strikeout percentage, but even that is like a small correlation. The Blue Jays are actually really good at not striking out. I know that mm-hmm. that seems like counterintuitive to people that watch this team. Well, it feels it like is... they always strike out when there's two, yeah. two on and one well, out. Well, that is uh, true. Yeah, that's. I was going to say two <laughs> they on, They do one have out. a high strikeout percentage in those situations, yeah. but I'm telling you, despite what <laughs> they you They save seen... their strikeouts. They're like, don't nobody strike out yet. We, we need <laughs> ducks on the pond. Oh, oh, there's two guys off. We need to advance the runner to third, or we need to catch the runner for third. Hey, Matt Chapman, or get out there, do yeah. your thing. Get out there and get your big strikeout in this spot, buddy. Yeah. It's your moment. That's it. Like it's it's. There's nothing. Honestly, I know this. This sucks because you want you you want to attribute some some quality to a team that that is able to cash, and you want to bemoan some team that isn't. I'm telling you that the numbers suggest that it's just like dumb randomness and okay. and the, I don't the, think the, is, the, yeah. <laughs> there's just a bunch of rolls of the dice that are are going against the Blue Jays and for the Orioles this year in yeah. that in that respect dude you're like those people that for two years tweeted about Vlad's exit velocity and you were like man it's <laughs> no. just bad luck he's just a Babbip guy <laughs> no, it's just all bad no that's no, you it's Babbitt okay you've joined fine. he's you've joined no, the no, nerd no, masses Babbitt where you you can't blend the two things like clearly they're they, it's a it's a mix of things and one of them yeah. most notably is that their most important hitter, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., is um, – let's go take a look here. He's tied for 11th on the Jays with .3 war. You know who else also yeah. has that, according to Jobo, is Ernie Clement. Um, yeah, not exactly what you want. He's he, He's been – by his standard, because we always have to say that, we have to go by his standard. Yes, like he's better than uh, most baseball players. He's yeah. solid. Paul DeYoung would would give up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he He's was way ten better years than off the Espinal. end of his life to be Vladimir Guerrero. Jr. Yes, no question about it. But by his standard, he has been dreadful, truly mm-hmm. dreadful. And yeah. you brought up some interesting stats about what he's been doing at the plate. Um, you, you okay? Let's put it this way: you've been basically the guy who has kind of hit the Vlad thing the hardest. You have the, yeah. the hardest exit velocity with Vlad. You were the first people, person... People call me the world's biggest Vlad hater on, on Twitter, which is... That's you extreme. Are. I don't hate Vlad, but I, no, I, 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 I just... My expectations were so outsized out of the gates, and, and you know, I've just... I expect more out of a once-in-a-generation prospect than a guy who plays a premium position, and who did yeah, it once sure. in 2021. Sure, 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 sure. This sure sounds a lot different than the private phone calls we have. But, yeah. So, <laughs> but, yeah, sure. Uh, that's your position. You'll stand by it. Um, the, the conversation that you've been basically trying to drum up and that I think is kind of a fair one at this point is, is it on the table that you're trading in this offseason? Like, realistically, is this on the table? Obvi- obviously, if they make a deep playoff run and he rebounds, it's, it's going to completely go away, right? I think if they win... Yeah. What would you say, one playoff round and he plays well? Or or do you think there's a scenario where he just doesn't play well and he's still on the table regardless? Um, Yeah, I don't know. Or should it, he be? I'm, I'm not going to say would he be because that's like insider stuff. Like, Are you trading Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at least at this point? Are you opening him up for trades regardless of what happens the rest of the way here? I mean, I mean, if you win a World Series, like everything's, you know. 
Well, sure. You just bring the whole band back, right? Because that that lives forever, and you can. You there's can go no, 20 there's years. nothing that could happen in a World Series the whole band back that I'm re-signing Matt Chapman. It's just not happening. <laughs> That's rude. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, it will be hilarious when the Yankees and and they're already like 200 million dollars yeah. in payroll committed to next year. Hand him, yeah, a 300 million dollar contract. Although I will say it was a shocking thing for Espinal to make me miss Matt Chapman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh my God. buddy, that's the world we're headed yeah. towards, right? Like, yeah. not that like every play is an error but you you do and and i do i'm not to get off topic here because we, we are talking about vlad but like matt chapman i i think defensively has regressed even a little bit it's, this year but it's, he's still so absolutely. so much yeah. more than your average third baseman and the routine yeah. plays by and large get made every single time it's hit in his direction and yeah that's what the blue jays the, the, there's just no way they're going to get that type of defense at third base next season. Sure, to me, that that's suck. what the money's for. And this, this it was like the baseline expectation with him. But anyways, yeah. like whatever. I don't want to – just okay. like so Vlad, you're, you're not re-signing Matt Chapman to a, no, a no, big no, money not, contract. No, 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 it's not happening. And again, yeah, you can laugh at the Yankees when they do, right? Yeah, um, that's fine. Oof, can't wait. Uh, okay. Good luck, Yankees. But yes, it, right. yeah, option clearly after yesterday cannot be San uh, Diego Hospital. I don't think there's ever been a less popular left side of the infield than Espinal Dion. Espinal Dion. Yeah, I think that that's as low of approval rating as, as there's ever been at those two positions in a game in Blue Jays history. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. Get Scott Carson on it. But, yeah, there's no freaking way that there's a lower approval rating than those two guys. Anyway, yeah, back to Vladdy. Um, okay. Barring a World Series, then. That's no. the framework of the question. Well, barring a World okay. Series, let do me, you entertain Vladdy? Let me Vlad just put trade? it out here that I do not think there's any scenario in which this front office pulls the trigger on a move like that for the the sole reason that it's super risky, right? Like I'm that's, not asking you if they will. I'm asking you, should they? Of course they should. Like, are you yeah. nuts? Of yeah. course they... Well, especially... I, I mean, this is... Uh, assuming his value is what I think it would be as a 24-year-old who's put forth a runner-up MVP season just two years ago and has two more years of team control beyond this one. Like, if that's what I think it is, then the return should be immeasurable. And guess what? Like it's it's not a far cry to to imagine a scenario where the Blue Jays are able to replicate what they're getting out of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. way cheaper, right? Like he's he's arbitration eligible for two more years. Like by the end of that, he's going to be making almost thirty million bucks. This is like a replacement level player that you're seeing right now. Like quite frankly, at that position, it's not replacement level as far as offense, right? Overall, he's an above offensive player. He's got an OPS plus of one sixteen, so sixteen percent above league average when it comes to OPS, but not at first base. He's like in the lower half of qualified first baseman. I think last time I checked among first baseman in, in war, he's like near 20th, right? You can go, Josh Bell is a free agent, and he had a tough start to the season, and then the Marlins acquired him. He's been outstanding. Like, is Josh Bell going to cost you $300 bucks? Probably not. They went out and got Brandon Belt for, what, $10 bucks. Brandon Belt was like retired. Brandon Belt has been far and away a superior player to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And if you can get some sort of insane return on a Vlad trade, like, I, I just don't know what is the better case to, to making your team better in the offseason because the free agent class is garbage. And you can still sign Cody Bellinger, right? Like, that's that seems like the guy that they targeted this past offseason, whether they ponied up the, the same amount the Cubs did or whether he just decided he wanted to play in Wrigley to try and recoup his value. But he's all the way back to being... I don't know if the MVP form, like, but like pretty damn close. And he's going to be, especially in this class where it's like Shohei, Matt Chapman, and and Cody Bellinger, he's going to be at the top of the class. So 
I don't know, you, you, you diversify, you, you, you turn one Vlad into multiple quality major league players, and you go out and sign Cody Bellinger? What, what path to improving the offense is better than that? It's crazy because Brandon Belt is genuinely unplayable against left-handed pitching. Like, he's only played 18 games against lefties, but in those 18 games, he's OPS less than 600. And sure. he is just, yes, been the far superior offensive player to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's not close. And, I mean, yeah, the, the eye test would also tell yeah. you that, I mean, it's the number one reason I think Vlad hasn't left, uh, let, uh, lived up to the potential is, like, just compare the plate appearances between the two. Yeah. Brandon Belt knows what's a strike, or at least is, like, patient enough to take a good, like, get a good strike and walk occasionally or at least get into a deep count. And, I mean, you referenced the tweet I had and the stats that I, I dug up uh, about Vlad. If people hadn't seen the tweet, and you should read all my tweets because they're so good, especially the ones about Vlad. Honestly, um, the reason it stuck out is because it was the first time I've seen a tweet of yours where I was like, wow, this is a really good one. Although, no, yeah. I'm being serious, your tweets have been really good on the Jays lately. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no, Other stuff? Oh. <laughs> No, I, I don't Jay's think I really quality. tweet about other stuff. Oh, no, yeah. I made a joke about Ben Simmons, how he's in the best shape of his life. And I said, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, if he's going to yeah. be allowed to dribble two basketballs during a game, right. yeah, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> no, he's – so Vlad is swinging more percentage-wise than he ever has before in his entire career. Like, yeah. higher swing percentage than ever before. Although he's swinging at fewer meatball pitches, so that's middle-middle yeah. pitches than he ever has before, percentage-wise. And he's getting more meatball pitches in the middle of the zone than he ever has before in his entire career. So, again, swinging more, swinging less at meatballs, but getting more meatballs. That's, I mean, that's a guy that has no idea, right? Like, is, is, yeah. is guessing and is guessing wrong. You know what, though? This was always this, – this was the first thing that you pointed out about Vladdy, and this is why – I'm worried and nervous about because people will always bring up the age and they'll bring up the MVP season. They'll do all this different stuff. But my biggest concern is that, you know, we institutional knowledge of the strike zone was yeah. his big thing. His play, his yeah. pitch recognition was supposed to be what made him special. He wasn't supposed to be his dad. He was supposed to have power, but no. he was supposed to be a guy that if you if you made a mistake, he was going to punish you for it. And mm -hmm. he really hasn't been that for years. Like we we have seen that ever since essentially the beginning of Vladdy, which is the, yeah, the strike zone recognition stuff has not always felt great. It's felt like a lot of guessing. And I, I pointed this out to you the other night, like the most frustrating thing to me about Vladdy right now is the first pitch stuff. It seems like he's afraid to fall behind an account. And yeah. so those first pitch outs when they've got runners in scoring position or when they've got runners on is yeah. one of the, it's just the most frustrating thing, either the pop out or the beating it to the shortstop on the first yeah. pitch because he's just guessing and hoping that they're going to try to get one over on him. And it's, I lose my mind. It's also so stupid because Vlad is actually hitting well over 300 with runners in scoring position. He's yeah, actually coming through uh, in clutch situations. But no, it's it, the, the strike zone recognition thing is it's not like part of the, it's everything, it's, it's the whole thing, it's, it's all it is. And yeah, he's 24. He can improve, and he showed it in 2021 in a weirdo season where, boy, those uh, numbers he accumulated in minor league ballparks, pretty impactful. Guy seems like to really be impacted by his environment because, yeah, look at his home road splits this season. I, I don't know what's happening at Rogers Center. Maybe this is a weird outlier season, but, yeah, obviously a guy that's very much impacted by the ballpark he plays in. But No, they changed the oh, ballpark dimensions for uh, Dalton Varsho and yeah. not for Vlad. I mean, he's been even, I mean, obviously even worse, but, like, yeah, his OPS at home is 
I think he's got an OPS plus of 50. Like he's like 50% below league average when he bats at home. Since July 1st, Dalton Varsho's OPS is under 500. Um, Yeah, it's not. Even with those two bombs. It's not not what you want. But no, the Vlad thing as far as pitch recognition. So yeah, he's 24. Can he get better? Sure. Like are there indicators this season that he's doing some things better? I mean, the most bizarre of all of them is that the launch angle is way better than ever before. Here's one thing I've I've never, ever seen somebody do once they've arrived at the major leagues. Be better at recognizing strikes. I mean, how often did we talk about Kevin Pillar? Man, if he could just, like, lay off a, a few more pitches outside of the zone and, and work some deep – like, he's just incapable. And, I, in, in fact, I talked to him last Friday before the Bautista stuff about how he wishes he had taken some of uh, Bautista's advice when he told him about, you know, trying to be more patient, trying to be more of an on-base guy. And he's like, but I don't think I could have done it because it wasn't part of my skill set. I just, I don't think that is something you can learn. And even at 24, you you know, there's lots of meat left on the bone and he's going to have another 10-plus years in the major leagues. Look at Juan Soto, also 24. Guess what? Like, knows what a ball, knows what a strike is. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. You tweeted one the other day that was like, hey, would you do Juan Soto for Vlad? I'm like, yeah, because anybody who doesn't care about the money and the control should be saying yes to that trade. Like, you would genuinely have to be brain dead uh, if it wasn't your money and this was, hey, just a one-for-one. Control is out of the issue. This is just player-for-player. Clearly, you'd want Juan Soto over Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now, right? He's just like a... Obvious, obvious, obvious thing. So, yeah, it's fine. You kind of tried to make the case for it about the one team getting control and cheaper and blah, 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 blah. But um, I don't like I don't find that to be a realistic trade. I'm saying if we're we're doing this whole like, hey, this is the exercise is do you trade Vlad in the offseason? I think that the point that you made that's the strongest one is how else do you improve this ball club in a material way? And and, like what are the areas areas of weakness and how do you improve an area of strength? Like. The, the premise of this team was supposed to be you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's one of the most special and most talented bats on earth, and he's in the middle of your lineup. And, and if he's not that, then he's just, you know, a middling first baseman. Like, I, I kind of think that you have, you have an obligation to say if you don't think that he is the MVP caliber guy anymore, if you think that the overall body of work is actually more indicative of the player that he is, and you can capitalize on his name brand value still being what it is and the stuff that you outlined there, which is, hey, he's 24 and meat on the bone and blah, 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 and control and, you oh, know, and, still and an above-average offensive player. I'm, I'm not – that's not a straw man. Like, that's – I mean, the Blue Jays would probably make that argument to you. No, I'm, I know. I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not saying it is a straw man. I'm just saying yeah. that there, there's the – at first I thought you can't trade Vladdy because – of the most, you know, obvious argument is, well, his value is lower than it would be. But no, but it's you're right. No He's going to be encroaching man. on making the $30 million. No like, all of chance. a sudden, that's done. You know, the, yeah. the idea of the bounce-back season when you have to pay $30 million for Vladdy and then yeah. he's got a contract extension coming up, nobody's doing that. I actually do – I think I agree with you that if you were going to trade Vladimir Groh Jr., literally the only time you could do it outside of a failure next year and they actually yeah. do a sell-off at the deadline – would be this offseason. This, this is the time where you kind of have to quietly shop it. Well, and especially if you are in the background uh, talking about a Bobichet contract extension that goes beyond the years of control, which you've already locked him up to. And, like, you've, I mean, no, listen, just the materially, the, materially, the Blue Jays have decided on one guy, like, to, to sign one guy. 
and, the, and the, I understand that Vlad also has the same amount of years of control, but no, they've decided to give one guy cost certainty yeah. throughout the years of control, and the other guy they haven't signed him to. I'm not saying they haven't had contract discussions with with Vlad Jr. In fact, I, I heard some things. Maybe they had like some informal discussions about it. But yeah, I think if if you are going to go down the road, and I I think this is a good idea of of talking contract extension like long term with Bo Bichette, I just and I know everybody's a professional, and especially for guys that come from major league lineage, um, that yeah, maybe you'd be able to put that aside. I, these guys are so joined at the hip, at least psychologically, in the fans of in the in the minds of Blue Jays fans that. I don't know if that's a tenable situation where, like, Bobichet gets the 10-year extension and there's Vlad Jr. still going to arbitration for the last two years of his deal. Like, I, I, I do think that, that would, there would have to be a separation of the two at that point. I don't think it's a tenable situation to give one guy an extension and one guy not and have them on the same team. I like how you're basically making the case of if you're going to keep them together, they have to have the leaf situation where you pay them both, you know, big money at the same time and you give them their soothers and you say, hey, yeah. don't worry, everybody's the same, everybody's equal, everybody gets treated yeah. the exact same. You all get the most money, you all get the yeah. most treatment, and you don't but get But guess any what? It's, it's worked yeah. with Bo. Like, I, I don't, I, I put sure. it at like a non zero percentage chance that he's looked so good this year because he's not worrying about at least his short term future with the Blue Buddy, Jays. Buddy, yeah, listen, I, I think that there's absolutely something to that, but I, I will tell you, and, and I, and I think especially with Vladdy, who, um, yeah, he's clearly a happy-go-lucky guy. But I, I think that from seeing a bunch of his slumps now, he's clearly someone that wears a lot of pressure on his shoulders and, you know, can be impacted a bit by the moment. And and I have to think that this is a guy who thought that he was going to be getting one of those Juan Soto deals and yep. all that money. And now that he's struggling, he, there's no way that he could completely remove himself from the thought that, with every passing day where he goes 0 for 4 or 1 for 4 with a ground ball single uh, with two outs that he's going to be able to make that contract. But, okay, this this we kind of touched on the, the question I asked you and I was begging you to shut up about on the phone, and then, then we'll take a quick break. But is the benefit of the Vladdy season that the Jays can really shift their focus to re-signing Bobichet to a long-term deal? That, like, this is no longer a debate because it used to be. It used to be, yeah. which one do you re-sign? And in fact, it was always, well, it can't be Bo because he's always going to want to play shortstop and you can't have that there and blah, 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 hits for average, doesn't walk. And now it's like painfully clear of which guy you think is going to, yeah, be able to sustain who he is because he's the guy with the actual real consistency throughout his career, even though it was like he's consistently inconsistent. Yeah. Yep. Do you think that this is an actual byproduct of the Vlad struggle? Like they have to just say... We're 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 paying we're paying Bo, and we're we're trying to get this thing done ASAP. Because you can't there, lose both. I mean, there's really no debate. And you want to talk about like outlier seasons and consistency and oh, okay. Well, Vlad showed it in 2021 that the what he can be, except you know the other four seasons are like remarkably similar. Like yeah, yeah. What what is he? Is he the guy that he's been most of the time, or the 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 guy that he was for one year? Bobuchet has been this every single year of his major league career. This is like you haven't you got like. A couple of months out of, of Bo Bichette where he was hitting seventh in the lineup and, and, and looked like, boy, something was wrong. But then recovered so insanely well the last five weeks of the season that mm -hmm. his numbers were like going into this season, which he's now put up a career high OPS plus of 134. Last year's OPS plus of 128 was his career high. Like this is... This is what he's been his entire career. Of course, like if you're making a wager on one of the guys... Actually, I mean, 
yeah, you pretty much know what you're getting out of Vlad as well. Mm-hmm. But again, talking about the positional uh, bar offensive, like the bar offensively at that position, and considering the bar offensively at Bobichet's position, who he's now proved like he's not exactly the world's greatest defender at shortstop, but I think we can all agree he's a, a very passable defender at that position. I mean, yeah. it wouldn't be any debate for me who I'd be pushing my 300 million or 300 plus million towards. And it's, it's the guy who plays shortstop and is a lock to be the American league leader in hits who he still is despite being on the IL for 10 days. I, I would say that the only there's, there's a couple of things here, the cautionary stuff. One is a year ago with Bo, when he was struggling and he was having such a bad season, there were a lot of reactionary takes and I wonder if it could be a similar story arc for Vlad Jr., where maybe he gets hot right now and he makes everybody look foolish. Absolutely could, yeah, but okay, it's so. not too late. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's the not. thing. That's, that's the lesson. Yeah. It's not too late. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Um, two is that it does. Bo, the difference between the paying the two of them to me, and maybe I'm completely off with this because I'm not like David Sampson or John Morosi, but you would have to think that coming off of this season in particular, if you were talking about extensions. That mm-hmm. this, again, if you're not going to trade Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you're not going to be open to trade ideas this offseason. You have to be open to entertaining contract extension talks with him because now you're buying, you're trying to buy low, right? Yeah. You're sure. not letting him go into the $30 million season and then being like, ooh, wow, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Are we up against the. Yeah. Yeah. That's too difficult a position. So could you get Vladdy on some kind of a team friendlier deal considering that he does want to be a Toronto Blue Jay? He's indicated that he wants a contract. He's coming off of a down season. Like maybe he's not willing to bet on himself after another down year. I, I don't know. Uh, versus Bo, who, what does it look like if you're sitting down with a guy who already has Boy. a ton of cost certainty for the next couple yeah. of years, who is the son of a major leaguer who loves betting on himself and who yeah. clearly wants all the money. Are you giving him a record setting contract? Because just again, the optics of the two yeah. of them, one would yeah. indicate that uh, the price of the brick is going up for Boba Shett. Yeah, no, honestly, if I was gonna, uh, yeah, if I was gonna bet on which guy would be harder to negotiate with, I, I would say Boba Shett, despite the fact that he is the only guy that signed a, a multi-year deal <laughs> with the Blue Jays. It does, and you know, he hasn't. Vlad hasn't said I, I, I'm desperate to be a Blue Jay for my career, but like he is, he's given indications to that effect right like he's at least been sure. vocal talking about it Bo's never said anything like that like yeah no. Bo's Bo's Mr. Play close to the vest Mr. Super I was gonna say Bo's most bi- biggest quote was actually with you and I where he was like yeah. I want to play shortstop and no one else should come in here and take it from me and we went <laughs> all right <laughs> I mean paraphrasing but yeah yeah. No, but yeah, paraphrasing for sure. Yeah, I think people can glean that. But that's it. That's all. Okay. So yeah, the the question is, uh, yeah, should the should the Blue Jays shop Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this off season? Something that I I really never thought would be a question. Even though, um, yeah, the last the last year I I at least had my suspicions about hey, what is he going to be offensively? Will he ever be a super duper star again? I never I never thought that he was going to have an offensive season that was quite like this. And I certainly didn't think that we would be posing this. But, yeah, a lot of time to maneuver for him. Okay, a couple of quick things, rapid fire, um, including, yeah, uh, do you think that you could be Danny Jansen and take five pitches uh, to your body in seven games? Uh, Quick break. We'll be back with Good Hour. Sportsnet 590, the fan. You know Craig Biggio was hit by 285 pitches in his career? Yeah, all-time major league leader, right? Nope, number two. 
He's just the only guy I know. I, I don't know who Huey Jennings is. Yeah, he's I think two, that, that, 287 for Huey. Yeah, but that that guy sounds like he played in 1880. That's not modern baseball. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. Huey Jennings. Huey Jennings. You don't, don't count, Huey. buddy. Huey Jennings didn't wear all those baseballs to have you go like, well, that wasn't modern baseball. You know. Way to go, Huey Jennings in 1892, uh, having an OPS right. of 546. Sure. Well done. Well done, Huey. <laughs> hit a couple Dude, of home runs uh, when they were like, oh, he just hit. There were no fences in those ballparks, so I, he just kept, kept running as the ball rolled out past all the outfielders. Dude, I love that he had an OPS of 587, so it's like getting hit by the pitch was truly his signature play. Like, he'd go up That's to right. bat, and they would just be like, all right, Huey, take that yeah. pitch, wear it. And he'd lean in, you know, he'd stick his elbow out there. He Dude, would wear it. That guy was a soldier. He was a this warrior. This is – okay, so I'm looking at his years. Like, the league leader yeah. in hit-by-pitches five consecutive years, 27, 32, yeah. <laughs> 51. He was hit yeah. by 51 pitches in 1896. Yeah. Dude, you would think that the umpires would – have said something to old Huey. They would have gone, mm-hmm. all right, enough of these shenanigans, Huey. We know that you're trying to get hit. Or, or imagine it's actually, this is, the, this is the ideal scenario. The ideal scenario is that Huey was a trash talker and that's, he, he actually got <laughs> yeah. pitchers to throw at him. That yeah. that was his strategy before every game was to just talk about the opposing pitcher's wife and then go stand <laughs> out there and then wear a couple of pitches for his team. I like that idea. I like that scenario. Oh, uh, so way to go, 100%. Huey. 100%. Yeah. Huey, Huey, man, uh, what an 1895 season. 32 hit-by-pitches and 28 sacrifice bunts. This, this guy was like, there's whoa. so many baseball fans that would be like, that's my guy, Huey Jennings. Sack bunts and getting yeah. hit-by-pitches. Leaning into one, wearing one, and then moving the runner over. Huey Jennings, also his baseball reference page, has my what is my favorite type of like old-timey baseball cap, you know? Like that's that's the top one where it's Buddy. like is that even a baseball cap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where like that's the brim is barely you know? like past your nose and like doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, also yeah, his nickname, exactly. his nickname was E. Yeah. Gets hit by pitch. E. Yeah, like E E dash Y A H. You know, you know what that was. I have no. That was the noise he made when he got hit. E. Yeah. Shouted it from the dugout as Huey was getting pegged by those pitches. Uh, Okay, so uh, I guess Danny Jansen would be on pace to break his record, though. If it was, if if every seven games he took five pitches, he'd be right there. Mm -hmm. How much would you have to get paid to to do that? To take the five pitches that Danny Jansen in seven days too? Like, because I think that if you spread it out over the course of a major league season, it would Mm -hmm. be easier. But I feel as though getting hit that many times in a week. It would take a different kind of psychological toll on you, no? Like, well, every, every loud noise coming, you'd hear, you know, yeah, you'd start I to mean, flinch. Th- that's the thing. I guess after, like, the third one, you you would feel like every pitch was going to hit you. But, yeah, if you yeah. knew it was coming, that would be the worst. Like, I yeah, getting hit by a 100-mile-an-hour fastball is horrible, horrible, horrible. It's hard to imagine anything worse in all the pro sports. But mm-hmm. knowing that you're going to get hit by a 100-mile-an-hour fastball is, I, I think, maybe the uh, – I can't think of – a fate worse than that, but yeah, would I, how much would I have to get paid, buddy? You don't want to know how how low I'd I'd go to, yeah, to get true. hit I forgot. by pitches. I, I forgot. I forget sometimes how cheap about? you are. Yeah. yeah, I forget. I forget that you're the guy who like took his his wife on a first date to Schindler's List because it was like a cheap movie night. <laughs> like that. That's how you determined to go to that. So anyway, um, I am I a bad person for? 
kind of rooting for him to get hit by pitches right now, even though he's he's sitting games out using the off day. Because it's it's now become kind of enjoyable to me to hear the yeah. broadcast reaction to hit. And, and I'm sitting there now watching his at-bats going, mm-hmm. are they going to hit him? Just because yeah. it is such an interesting streak. I'm like, is he going to get the most hit by pitches in a short span for the Blue Jays? Like, am I a bad person for rooting for Danny Jansen to get hit by baseballs? No. I I don't I think you're you're a normal person because I'm kind of doing the same thing right like who doesn't want to see this weirdness continue and and like there's some so Craig Biggio it made sense like he hung out over the plate like and I guess Danny Jansen does to agree uh, to a de- degree but not like it's not obvious that he's you know taking up a bunch of space and it's not like he hangs in there longer than than other people so I don't know. It, it. it just it just feels like a total anomaly. And, like, he's already doubled his career high in hit-by-pitches in a season. It was four, which he did uh, twice in his first two seasons in the major leagues in 18 and 19. And now he, he already has eight this season. So, yeah, that's super weird. And I, I love when weird things happen for apparently no reason. Of course I'm rooting for this to continue. Also, because it's like... It's one of the ways the Blue Jays can create offense because God knows they can't hit yeah. their way on base. Well, they won a game thanks to hit by pitch. Yeah, exactly. Now. And then they lost a game by just – oof. Yeah, they gave that one away last night. That was that was there. That was like yeah. I mean, there were more the runs scored after the the Espinal era, yeah, yeah. but yeah, the 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 bullpen deployment, the, the yeah, sliding yeah. doors no, changes, situation yeah, it's is a big sliding doors I mean, situation. And also, I, it must be said that that was a very it was a catchable ball for Vlad on the other end, right? Like it wasn't sure. easy. It was a short hop, and you know we are talking about the reigning gold glove winner at first base in the American League. So I, I haven't heard one person. He's made a couple of good defensive plays this year, Vladdy, no question about it. Uh, anyway, I don't want to make this the rag on Vlad hour, but yeah, why? certainly it's... it's why? <laughs> why? <laughs> no, the uh, defensive numbers are atrocious for him this year. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're um, awful, awful, awful. Okay, so I mentioned it. You're leaving for a week, and so I want to clo- I wanted to close on this. What's the most interesting stretch run story to you? What what's the thing in this wild card chase that is going to capture your attention the most, or that you're most curious about? Well, I mean, there's a multitude of different things. Well, the thing I was thinking about yesterday is Matt yeah. Brash came out there and like just barely held on for a win against the Royals team that gave the Mariners a bunch of trouble. Was mm-hmm. how is this team that is now what a game back of the Blue Jays for the final wild card spot? Like already blew a save in the ninth inning, like notably traded away their closer. Like how how much regret is this team going to have for selling? And I get it. Like yeah, you know I, they made the playoffs for the first time. They broke the streak last season. They they traded away their closer, and and Matt Brash throws a hundred. Uh, he's got gas, no doubt, but but he's not Paul Sewald, and he he hasn't been Paul Sewald, and and gave up a leadoff home run against the the Royals yesterday. I mean, if you're if you're talking about the teams on the outside looking in, because that's the only team, right? Like the Yankees are home and cooled out. They are done, done, done. Pretty obviously, Red Sox are. I know they're, they're mathematically still alive, but they're 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 done. I thought they were kind of done when Alex Verdugo showed up 30 seconds before the start of that Blue Jays game, and Alex Cora sat him down for the game. And the other one will be like down the stretch here, and this is something I brought up. Uh, with a couple of guests yesterday on my show, that for the second straight year that we've had this three wild card thing, the third wild card spot appears to be the best place to be because you get the American League Central winner, right? Like you're you're gonna get the Twins in that wild card round and avoid 
either the Rays or the Astros or maybe the Rangers if the Astros catch the the Rangers. And then, yeah, you're going to get to avoid that bracket in the DS as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we don't make the simple switch of, okay, yeah, you get a playoff spot if you win the American League Central because if we're going to still have some amount of uh, unbalanced schedule and as closer uh, the closer we get to balance, it'll still be – you're going to play your divisional opponents more – 13 times instead of 19 times, but okay, you can have a playoff spot, but why do you get seeded number one among the wildcard teams? Why, why aren't you the fourth seed? Uh, that seems like an easy fix, but right now, the way it exists, there's way more impetus, and especially considering, like, we just talked about the home road splits for the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. and talked about the Blue Jays losing both home games to the Mariners in the wildcard round. That's, sorry, not an incentive to, to, to finish higher up the pecking order in the wildcard standings. You want to finish third. Yeah, dude, I, I I know that story is going to start to get reactivated here probably, I'd say, closer to another month from now, right? This is like playoff roster talk. I was actually going to joke with you that playoff roster talk is right around the corner because once yeah. these reinforcements come, the, yeah. the I think the portrayal of it is going to be, here's your playoff roster, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you've you've got it set now. That it's, it's hard to envision a scenario where anything changes with the 25-man roster other than it being the the guys that you're seeing right now. Um, Mm -hmm. But in regards to the, yeah, playing the central thing, you're right. People are going to start talking about that. They're going to start spinning that for the Jays, and I think it's going to be something you want. The the benefit I think that they have is even with this soft spot coming up in the schedule, it's it's still hard for me to see them jumping over Houston or Tampa Bay. and. The the little I mean the so, it is a soft spot right like yeah. they they do have a bunch of lesser light teams they have a bunch of last place teams coming up and you know I include the Yankees in there because the Yankees are not just a last place team in name only like they're yeah. playing like a last place they, they, like they've been, lost five in a row in two of their last eight they're 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 packed up they're done they, yeah. they I don't think they've scored a run in nineteen innings like it's yeah. it's abysmal I will say that okay we've already seen Cleveland who can pitch the ball. Uh, they're not a last-place team, and they're not in there. The, the Rockies stink, and the A's stink. The Royals and the Nationals are kind of giving people trouble right now. I, like, the, the Nats beat the Red Sox yesterday. Nats, over their last 20, are, like, over 500. Royals, same thing. Like, they're they're kind of getting off the mat. So, Rockies, A's are as bad as they've ever been. I, I'd, I would caution people... Uh, before they they start saying that that those are like you you got to sweep those series against the Nats and and the Royals because the Nats specifically have looked like they've got a little bit more life recently and if you watched it all this crazy mm-hmm. series between the Royals and the Mariners like that 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 could be a test as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, they should still be beating the brakes off of those teams at this point sure in the should. year, especially given that you know that's the opportunity for them. For me, the the stretch run question is exactly what I talked about a little bit off the top. Which is just and it's and it's yesterday's topic too, but it's can you say Kikuchi finish the season this way? Like, can he actually close it out? Because I, I, it's it's not inconceivable now. Like he's dropped underneath Barrios for ERA on the season, and mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think that it's inconceivable that his numbers end up being pretty damn near close to what Kevin Gossman's are. And if you look at like win loss percentage of this team, he's got the number one win percentage of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I know that people like don't really like those stats, but yeah, what happens if I, I've I've said there's never been a redemption story like this that I can ever remember. I equated it to what happened. What if if David Clarkson would have come back in year two and had you know 88 points, yeah. 90 points? Um, I want to see if he can keep doing this. Um, it's aesthetically pleasing. It doesn't look like it's going anywhere. He has all the stuff. It doesn't seem fluky at all. 
If you say closes out the year this way, I feel like it's one of my favorite stories in the last, I don't know, my entire life as a Toronto sports fan. Comeback player of the year? Like, comeback player of the year is the dumbest thing ever because, like, okay. Like, do you give it to the injured guy? I don't know of, like, no injured guy comes to mind. It doesn't always have to be an injured guy. I mean, why can't it be Yusei Kikuchi bumped out of the rotation last year and uh, major league leader in ERA since the All-Star break? Comeback player of the year. Hopefully he gives a, a speech to Manoa after the end of the year. Like, you can be me. You <laughs> yeah, can be right. me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Benny, enjoy your vacation. Subscribe to the podcast, leave five stars. And then, yeah, probably hit us up uh, about what you think uh, the most interesting wildcard stretch questions are. Anyways, uh, we I'm off tomorrow too, so I will see you next Monday. Ray Magliotti.